while you're standing, have take your Bible. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to begin at verse 13, all right? Matthew 16 and verse 13. And it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on... Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We thank you for your word, God. Help us to hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise God. Praise God. I want to speak this morning about an, an apex moment. An apex moment. It's at the peak. It's at the pinnacle, the high point in a, in a situation or in a person's life. We've all had those apex moments, those standout moments that um, are very special. This is one of those. There's numerous ones in the gospel. But this is one of those, an apex moment. Jesus is at Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. This is the, this is the farthest north. This is the northernmost place that, v, that Jesus visited while here on earth. And it's from this point at Caesarea Philippi, it's from this point that he begins that downward journey to Jerusalem, down past the Sea of Galilee, along the Jordan River, down to Jerusalem, um, where he's going to accomplish his, his purpose. It's one of the main purposes for him coming. And uh, so he's here. Caesarea Philippi was a beautiful place. In fact, um, there was uh, there's a massive spring that flows out of a cave there in Caesarea Philippi, and it helps to serve to provide uh, much of the flow of the, of the headwaters of the Jordan River. And um, it's such a pretty place. A lot of people would go there. There were temples that were built there, and they were they were they were serving and worshiping uh, all kinds of gods in that area. There's things carved into stone into the rock there, uh, above the cave, and all of this. But you know, this place where all these other gods and man gods were there. Uh, how many you know somebody? The real God was was on the scene that day, and it was at that point he asked his disciples, "Who do men?" say 
that I am. And he offers that probing question. And, um, and out, of this, out of this question, from this question, uh, we, we are going to see uh, three, not just one, but three crucial revelations in this passage. And maybe as you reflect on it, and as we certainly go through it, I pray that you'll see it and it'll be obvious to you. And these are important things of what Jesus is doing and accomplishing. And, um, and so the, the first and obvious thing is the revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus has asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they gave all kinds of answers. I mean, you know, people are still giving all kinds of answers to that question today. Who do people say Jesus is? And a lot of people believe, oh, he was, he was a great man, he was a great person, oh, he's a great prophet, uh, a great treat teacher, a great moral teacher, and um, all of those things. But folks, all of those things are true, but how many of you know that's just a small piece of who he was? And you, we got to get this right. It's all, if we don't get this right, we're not going to get anything right. And so, and, and, so, and so Peter has the answer, but it's not, it's not from man. It comes from God. It comes from revelation of God. And, uh, you know, every one of us who's been saved, who received Jesus, there's that revelation that's come to us. When we've had the realization, the conviction of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world. Amen? And so Peter declared that. And, um, and this, was, this was the first revelation that we come to in this passage, and Jesus confirms that. And, uh, and, and, uh, and kind of pats Peter on the back, so to speak, and, um, and says, you know, flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but the, the Father in heaven. I want you to know, listen, the crowd seldom gets it right. So don't listen to the crowd. Don't be caught up in the voice of the crowd. We're, we're, we're not listening to the voice of the crowd. We're listening to the voice of the Lord. How many of you know, you listen to the voice of the Lord, you'll never be wrong. And you listen to the voice of the Lord, if you just stay on that, it doesn't matter what the crowd's saying. Folks, the crowds are finicky. They'll be moving. How many times you see in the crowd? People gather around. They'll gather around things, and, and they don't even know why they're there. I've walked out. We had, we, had some, we had some fun sometimes as kids. I don't know if this is stupid, but we go out in the parking lot and, and uh, go out in the youth leader, and we go around. We got to try it sometime. Go to Walmart. Just begin to look up in the sky. And just, just begin to point up there. Just stand up there and look at nothing. Just begin to point. And all of a sudden, people come around just. That'd be like, you know, it's hard for me to do that right now. But, um, but crowds are finicky. I mean, how many of you glad that we not we have something better to follow than the crowds? Amen. God has gives us His revelation. That's what happened here with Peter, and Lord revealed to him who Jesus was. This friends, listen. There is no other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. It's only by the name of Jesus Christ, right? He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. There is no other name like Jesus. And in this day where there's so much political correctness, a lot of people are throwing around the name God. And people talk about God, God this and God that and whatever, and they'll talk about God. But how many you know God can mean a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people? It's not specific enough. But there's something about the name of Jesus and when, you, when, you, when you're bold enough to stop talking just about God in general and you start talking specifically about Jesus, the whole scene will change. The power in the name of Jesus. 
of the song. There's something about the name of Jesus. He is the sweetest name I know. You're going through something today. I hope you know who Jesus is. I don't know what I'd do, honey, if we didn't know Jesus. But in the midst of all that chaos and standing on that roadside and trying to help you, I knew Jesus was there. And he's with us the whole time. Amen. Come on. How are you glad Jesus is with you? Would you give him a hand? Come on. I'm never alone. You'll never have to be alone. But God will be with you. He's the God of the mountain. But he's also God of the valley. And he's God in everything in between. Aren't you glad for that? Do you know, have you had revelation of who Jesus is? Do you know that? Do you, how many of you believe that? How many of you know he's the Christ? Yes. Jeremiah, do you know that? He's the Christ. The son of the living God. Hallelujah. The promised savior of the world has been revealed. Hallelujah. That's what gave Lori and I strength, being able to call on the name of Jesus. It always has, always will. Folks, we need to lift up the name of Jesus. If he be lifted up in all the world, he'll draw all men nigh unto him. We need to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. How many of you glad to be? How many of you glad to be a Christian, to be a child of God, to be able to declare Jesus? Amen? Come on. Tell the world about it. Tell the world about it. Praise God. Right on the heels of this, there's a second revelation. And it's something nobody ever thought about. And Jesus begins to respond to Peter and Peter's answer. And he continues on and he says to Peter, he says, you are Peter. Meaning Petros. Means little stone, pebble. You are Peter. But on this rock, Petra, bedrock, massive rock boulder, cliff, upon this rock, your Peter, little stone upon this rock, this massive Peter, I will build my what? I will build my church. Now this is the first time in all of Scripture that church is mentioned. And we talk about church, Jesus is the founder of it, he's the builder of it, he's the cornerstone of the church. And what he's doing in this, we see a revelation of what Jesus is doing. He's come to save the world. And there is an initial work that he's going to do that we're going to talk about in a minute. But there is a work that's going to be ongoing and it involves this thing called the church. And I'll be talking more about that in, in probably next week, maybe even weeks to come. But what he's doing here in this time, Jesus is laying the foundation for the birth of the church. It's been approximately 4,000 years from Adam and Eve and the fall, and God restored them, and he gave them a promise of a son, right, of a, of a savior, right, the seed of the woman, the virgin birth. 
and he promised that it's been 4,000 years. How old's America? Only a little over 200 years. 1976 was our bicentennial, what, 240 years approximately, something like that, um, or so. I'm not going to do the math. <laughs> My head hurts. Um, but uh, that long, it seems like eternity, doesn't it? 4,000 years they waited. And finally, Jesus the Christ comes onto the scene. And folks, his ministry is only going to last for about three and a half years. That's it. Folks, it is absolutely a miracle what we're seeing today in this thing called the church. You and I, listen, we need to realize what we're a part of. What an incredible thing that we're a part of. Being a part of the church, something that was birthed, that was orchestrated and brought into being by Jesus himself. So Jesus is on the scene for a very short time. And so he's about to build something that's going to last far longer than his time of being physically present in this world. <laughs> Three and a half years he's he ministered here on earth, but he had a plan. He's going to build a church. And it's not talking about, it's not talking about bricks and stone and mortar. The church is a living organism made up of people who've been born again by the Spirit of God. The church, how I many you know the Greek word for church? It means it's it's ecclesia. Do you know what that means? It means a called out assembly. A called out assembly. And that Jesus has called us, and some have answered, they've been called out. And they've come out of the world and they've come unto Christ. They've come out of darkness and come into his light. How many of you are glad God has called you out? We are a called out assembly. We're called unto the Lord. And we belong to him. And so Jesus is created. And that's why this thing, folks, this whole thing about, about going to church. We don't really go to church. We go to a we go to a a church house. Listen, if you have been born again by Jesus Christ, you are a part of the church. You're the church. You're the church. You're the church. All right? To collective we, collectively, we are the church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? A living organism. And the, the, the Scripture talks about that God is, is building His his church, he's building his body and he's putting it together out of all of us and out of all the Christians in, in, around the entire world, including those who've already lived and accomplished God's purpose for their life and are with the Lord. All of us together make up the church. We're the church universal. We're the church worldwide. And that's the wonderful. Folks, listen, we're a part of an incredible thing. The church of Jesus Christ, wherever you go. In all the world, it doesn't matter what continent you go to. It doesn't matter what nation you go to. It doesn't matter whether you're going to a hospital or whether you're going to a ballpark or wherever you're going. When there's Christians there, there is something about it. When you meet people 
who are part of the church, who are called out, there is a unity there. There is something special there. There's something intimate there that's even more intimate many times than even your own flesh and blood biological family. And it's made up of all kinds of people, of all ages, all around the world. It's the church. And people say, oh, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I need to go to church. If you're saved, you're a part of that church. And you're called to gather with the church. You and I are called to gather together. And it is a natural thing, right? Just like the desire, hunger for eating. Anybody getting hungry, by the way? I won't be long. We'll break and go eat. But the church is a revelation of what Jesus was doing. Nobody knew that at that time. Never heard of it. Didn't know what you're talking about. God, Jesus said, I'm making up a body of believers. And these nearly, what, approximately 2,000 years later, God's still adding to his church. There's only two places that we can be. Either we're in his church or we're outside his church. God's called everybody. And he's trying to get word out to everybody to call them to be a part of his church. Come out. Come to me. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, he is calling you. If you think for a minute that you're safe and okay and that you're enjoying what God has because you've come into a church building or because you've signed a membership card, you've totally missed it. You've got to be born again by the Spirit of God, surrendering to Him and let Him change your life from the inside out. Amen? And then you are the church. And you gather in church in church house with other believers, amen, and each of us has a part to play. Praise God. Aren't you glad for that? Come on, how are you glad for the people around you here today? Amen. So listen, I, I, I want us to see, remember the first revelation, Jesus is Christ, the Son of the living God. The second revelation of what Jesus is built, what he's doing He's building a church. The enemy's trying to downplay the importance of the church. Listen, <laughs> this is Jesus' creation. It's how he's accomplishing all of these wonderful things. It's through the church. Church is leading the way. Amen, to show the way. And so there's so much here, and I'll, I'll talk more about it another time. Let me move to this final revelation so we can wrap up this morning. The final revelation happens in the discussion. It says, from this time forward, Jesus began to tell them, he revealed to his disciples what must happen, that he must go to Jerusalem 
and be killed. The Son of Man, Jesus, he must go to Jerusalem, offer his life, suffer, and be killed. And with that, Peter pulls him aside. <laughs> Jesus, what are you talking about? This is craziness. You're Christ, the Son of the living God. And you're going to go, be, stop talking like that. That's ridiculous. No. I forbid it. Right? Jesus said what to him? Very sternly. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. You see, from the very beginning, Satan had been trying to trip Jesus up. From the very beginning, Satan had tried to get Jesus to bypass the cross and to do it some other way. But there had to be a sacrifice. Somebody had to pay the price for my sins and for your sins. Somebody had to die so that I could live. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. We see miracles every year. There's a lot of agriculture, a lot of farming in our area. Many of you work gardens. And you'll take that one seed or those couple seeds, you'll put them in the ground. And they die. But all of a sudden, life happens. God miraculously causes growth to happen and they grow up and you end up with, with more seed and more fruit than what was put into the ground. That's what Jesus saw. That's what he knew. And he laid down his life, the foundation, the first one, the, the launching of his church. He first lays down his life. That's why he said to Peter, Peter, you know what you're talking about. He who saves his life will lose it. But he who loses his life, who plants it in the ground, who dies to himself, will have life. Amen? Listen, there is a, that's why there's so much emptiness in the world. There's so much, there's so much, and just people are down and there's no purpose, there's no drive, there's no passion. Because it's it, it, just one consumed with themselves and there's nothing satisfying with just pouring on yourself. God made us to invest our lives and to offer our lives. And, and that's why he said, if you're, those who follow after me must do what? Deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. I mentioned earlier about the, cross, the, the church of Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ. Listen, in the true church, Christ is the foundation. And he's the builder, not man. Right? In this ego-driven society where you have men building things and gathering groups around themselves instead of Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, I can't build a church. All these people say, oh, they're church builders. No, they're not. Paul said, I planted Apollos watered, but what? God made it grow. It's only God that can make it grow. Amen? So keep your eyes on the Lord and watch for the supernatural. Christ is the owner of it, not man. It's not God's church if it's not built on Christ, if it's not built by Christ, and if it's not owned by Christ, and it's not his church. 
God's not building my church. He's not building your church. He's building his church. Amen? And so keep that in mind. But how Jesus builds it is by offering his life. How many of you have seen people that you're here today and your, your faith has been enriched and you've been helped because somebody sacrificed ahead of you for you to have what you have? Huh? They gave up time praying. They gave up time coming to you. They gave up time pouring into your life. For us to do what we do, our finances have to, we got to die to our finances. Who in the world is going to give up thousands and tens of thousands of dollars every year? <laughs> you have no control on it, but just, God, I'm giving this to you. Who does that? Right? And it's natural for the church. Who gives up time to go help or to pour into people and to pray with people? And who does it? It's the church. Right? Nobody does it like the church. Oh, some people give some things in, in the world and things like that, but nothing in comparison to the church. Right? Nothing in comparison to the church. This is how Jesus builds his church. It's by people who offer their lives for his purposes, who have in mind the things of God and not the things of the world. Amen? Listen, this is all foundational. Right? foundational revelation that we build on. I want to, um, I just pray, as I said earlier, there's only one or two places we can be here. We're part of the church or we're not. And I pray that everybody here today, if you're not, that you will leave here as a part of the church, not joining this local body necessarily. We welcome you to do that. But um, before you can do that, you need to be a part of the church. <laughs> you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. If somebody's going to come to the piano, I mean, if David will come. But um, these are so important. This is how God does it. Listen, the church was built because of Jesus' sacrifice. How many of you are aware of the disciples, their lives, how they ended? Like every one of them died a martyr's death. You realize that? Except for John. They tried to cook him. He wouldn't cook, so they put him on an island. Do you know how many lives were, were lost that were sacrificed because of just the making of the, the, the Bible in English? The King James Bible. A lot of sacrifice. There were missionaries who gave their lives, who risked their lives to go to countries that nobody would ever go to among a, among a people that people really didn't even love. <laughs> and they would go there and spend their whole lives and maybe see one convert. It's a sacrifice. Folks, we'll never bypass that. God's called us to offer ourselves to Him. And I think, God, what are you asking us to do? What's it, what, let me ask you, what's it costing you? What's it costing you right now to serve the Lord? What sacrifice is, is, is there? Somebody said there's no cross, there's no crown. There's no suffering, there's no glory. 
You know, when you spend something for, when you, when you invest something, it just means a whole lot more to you also, right? Those of you who had to earn your way through college, there's something about it, not that people who had it paid for, not that they don't appreciate or value it, but you can't value it like somebody who had to sacrifice personally to make the money to do it. You just can't. It just doesn't work that way, right? So remember God's way. Remember who He is. Remember what He's doing. And remember how He gets it done. Right? Amen? Listen, because I'm telling you, in these last days, that's not what we're hearing. And that's not what's popular. It's not what feels good. Um, but we got to do it God's way. And I tell you, God's way, it always works. I want to... I want to close by sharing this experience with you. Um, it was on that Monday night of surgery. It's coming out of anesthesia, anesthesia and uh, with absolutely no forethought. How many of you have been through surgery and you had to come out of anesthesia before? Lift your hand. All right. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Just uh, been under for four hours. The first thing that I found myself saying was this. sound familiar the story Jesus shared about the rich man and Lazarus the rich man in hell because he rejected God and he was crying out Abraham said will you send Lazarus would you just have him to dip his fingers in water and touch my clothes I had just been under anesthesia for four hours in an air conditioned environment and I'm asking waiting for somebody just to touch water on my lips. I just needed some relief. I felt like I was not able to really take a breath. Friend, don't reject Jesus Christ. If you or I go to hell, it's because of our sin. We deserve death. We've, we've, we've forsaken God. We've gone our own way. We've sinned. But there is a Savior who's paid a price. And he said, if you'll receive me as your sacrifice, I'm here, I'm yours, just receive me. Friend, you don't want to go to hell. And Lori and I felt so many times so helpless. Helpless. And they're pushing you around on the table. You're strapped in and people do whatever and there's nothing you can do. When you're crying out and you're under the impact of drugs and anesthesia and just helpless, 
what you can't help yourself. Friend, what you go, if you go to hell, you're helpless, and there's nothing even God can do at that point. Nothing. Nothing. So I pray, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, it's the love of God. It's the love of Jesus Christ that will save your soul, that will give you life, that will make everything right.